0: And boom, we're back with another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winner, and I'm here as always with the wonderful Dr. Bear Paul Lando. Here he is, coming to you live and direct from the great state of Jefferson on the Smith River here where freedom still reigns supreme. Spring is teasing us a little bit, trying to sneak her uh, beautiful bounty in. I I am looking out, Bear, and seeing a lot of my uh, fruit stone and nut trees blossoming uh let's uh continue this trend and move on to spring i think we've had enough of winter as we were saying early before the show with marty who's up in the frozen tundra of the nort and uh we're ready for spring man marty's got his uh spring attire on already so uh, <laughs> We're good to go here. Um, Speaking of Marty Leeds on the show today, he will be at Music and Sky. So excited to have Marty there finally. It's going to be so much fun. I hope you guys can come out and join us in sunny California. Uh, Marty, bring your guitar around the fire. We'll be doing some jam sessions. And uh, Marty will be doing one of his Sunday services there on Sunday late morning uh at uh, music and sky so come on out bear you get to hang with marty in person at music and sky that's going to be so much fun
1: uh that's gonna be amazing you didn't ask me to bring my guitar though
0: uh well you're being bringing the bongo drums i thought (laughs) Uh, i'll bring uh, my harp the the steel drums (laughs) man. uh Yes. Uh, and uh, as I was saying right before, I hit record. Uh, once again, uh, check out this event we're doing in Nashville. I'm going to go perform in Nashville, doing a little DJ set. You can uh, check that out on uh, the show link below. Uh, and anything else, Bear, before we uh, do the intro for Marty?
1: No, this, uh, you do that and then I'll make a couple comments. But we want to get into this new book, which I'm enjoying yes. immensely here. Yeah, we always Scripture look for forward- in the stars, one of my favorites. Um, I we still, always look- you know, reread your old books, like going back from you know, like Pie and uh, love those. A lot of those are not, in and, print and I the know, most, but, yeah, well, yeah, I sold some of mine on eBay for $500 each.
2: <laughs> okay, Down the dollar bills, y'all, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, we always uh, look forward to our enlightening chats with good AlphaCast compatriot Marty Leeds, and this one will definitely be special. The ever-present stellar canopy just overhead has quite a story to tell, and master decoder Marty Leeds is our go-to man to decipher what the sky clock is trying to tell us. Marty's new book, Scripture in the Stars, does just that, as it takes the reader through a journey of the Bible like they have never had before. Linking the stories of the good book to the constellations and our night skies, this book unveils the deeply spiritual and celestial meanings of the ancient biblical tales. Every chapter uncovers for the reader step-by-step how the stories of the Old and New Testament are found in the celestial characters, symbols, and animals above our heads. Scripture in the Stars is easy to read, full of large graphics for reference and study, and is a must have for any serious religious student. Past interviews with Marty have traversed through a diversity of subject matter from Gnostic Christianity to the mathematics, symbolism, astrology, and mysticism encoded within the Bible. Marty always brings it, and this episode is one not to be missed. Bear Lando, uh, another good one with our friend, Marty Leeds here today.
1: Yeah, Marty, thanks for being with us again. We uh, appreciate it and uh, love your new book here. And uh, Mike, we got to get together one these days because I got a copy sitting here for you. And uh, but this one is is amazing. I mean, not only is it my favorite subject matter, but uh, but also it's very readable. You know, I think anybody, even the first time uh, folks could jump in here and, and uh, you know, follow along. But thank you for being with us. This is awesome. So how things in uh, sunny Wisconsin?
2: uh moving soon we just bought a place in missouri or some land that we're going to set up
1: a new oh wow, you know so missouri's yeah. getting to be a hot place i know other people going there are you going to be close to our friend matt Presti over there
2: we are going to be about we're about like eight minutes from gardner actually christopher gardner
1: oh so, really so he's yeah. there too
2: yeah he's down there yep um he just bought a place i think a year ago or something like that i want to say but uh, uh-huh. yeah, there's a bunch of people from the church down there. And so we just took a drive down there and just see if it's something we wanted to do. Found uh-huh. pretty much the perfect piece of property. And so we, we just, you know, pulled the trigger. Um, Amazing. I mean, Missouri is like perfect for the off-grid, you know, kind of thing, because there's no restrictions, yeah. you know, it's, you know, real loose, you can do whatever you want. It's, you know, long growth season. So, yeah. And the property that we got actually has a underground cistern. I think it's like 10,000 gallons. So it's perfect for water catchment and it's already got like okay. a shed that we're going to convert yeah. into a, a greenhouse pr- pretty much right away. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of work, but we're ready, you know, so.
1: It's fun to work, though. You know, here, Deb and I are still chipping away at it um, and started a new project was seven years ago. So uh, I don't know wh- if we would know what to do with ourselves if we didn't have something to dig at or, <laughs> you know, or build or whatever. <laughs> But that brings us into the subject matter of today, which is, um, you know, I've delved pretty deeply into uh, looking at the sky clock, not at your level. I'm uh, the furthest thing from a biblical scholar that you could find. And uh, and also when I look at the sky clock, you know, years ago, um, you know, it actually starts with my dad, uh, Remo. How's that for an Italian name? But he was like a genius mechanic. (laughs) <laughs> Remo uh my grandfather he was expecting twins so he's going to name them Romulus and Remus after the founders of <laughs> fortunately he wasn't the twins so they just tagged him with Remo you know anyway um that's my old Dago background he um I could tell you stories about him that would blow your mind he's just a true mechanical genius and Um, I think a little bit of that, you know, kind of rubbed off, but then I translated that into physiology and anatomy and all those things that, you know, I ended up doing. Uh, But after my medical studies uh, became very apparent that I didn't get what I needed in medical school and even a lot in my alternative studies. And that really kind of pushed me in the direction of uh, looking up over my head so I don't uh, never equated it with astro theology so much because that's not my forte. I'm more of a, you know, kind of an old school tradesman like my dad just said, uh, you okay. know, in there building and doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, right up there was uh, the blueprint of everything. And so I liken it to more astrophysiology. Um, and I've actually got i I'm authoring a, a book that's uh, more than half done, and it's going to be uh, based on what I developed in medicine over years, which is actual sequential treatment schematics that I used in clinic. The base that go through the sequence of what you see in the sky in the sky clock, and it also uh, you know really reveals the level that you have to work on those levels of physiology that the different constellations represent. Um, so when I got in with, uh, your work there and now, you know, you're taking that next level of depth as far as decoding, you know, what it means on all levels. Um, you know, I've just been very enthusiastic about your work because of that. And, you know, the, the big thing about astrophysiology is it goes right into astro theology. It's the same thing, but when you equate it to the trades, the healing trades, What you're really understanding is what the original, now I'm going to say a bad word here, so forgive me, um, what the original masons or the Masonic principles were based upon rebuilding the temple was the body. It was about the body. And of course, everything good, every enlightened teaching and truth has been infiltrated. Unfortunately, a lot of those infiltrations then get equated with the original stuff, which they aren't. And then if you mention them out loud, then you're demonized. But the living temple uh, was understood that the resonance from those constellations and we as capacitors on the ground and the the four kingdoms of nature and so forth, you know, are meant to receive that. And if your temple, your body is not perfect and the constellations tell you how to perfect your body, Uh, but if it's not perfect, then you cannot house the full light of spirit which is, I believe, what we're here to do is become realized. And so, you know, that's why I, I really think the healing arts are not just about being body conscious, which is what kind of alternative health has been turned into, but to understand the true purpose of this vehicle. So with that, um, that lets you take it away, uh, you know, and get more into the subject matter of your book. And um, unless uh, if it's okay with you, I think maybe a real good place to start would be, um worded right in chapter one i think it is uh i'll just read this and god said let there be light in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years so there's this peculiar thing we refer to as light i think of it in terms of waveform physics and it has a commonality of with astro theology, in that we recognize it comes from our creator. And so I think we're talking about the same thing. But what I found is you can take those same principles and apply them to agriculture, to the healing arts, and just to the knowledge that we all need to become, uh, you know, grow out of this uh, phase, this planet of the ape phase that we seem to find ourselves in. So, Marty, welcome once again. And if we could maybe have you enlighten us about what light means uh, relative to the scriptures and from your perspective, uh, probably the this the first step in everything in the first place. So go for it.
2: Well, light was understood as divine truth, like archaically, you know, so whenever you talked mm-hmm. about light, it was just, and that's, and it's understood like, you know, in general that it's, you know, it's knowledge, it's all of that sort of stuff, but it's of, of a divine source. You know, so when, you know, when they talk about in the beginning, uh, especially in Genesis, when they're, you know, God's creating the canopy and the firmament and putting the stars and the lights up there and, you know, giving the patterns that give us the days and the nights and all of that sort of stuff, what is, you have to realize that when you look up, that's what you're looking at the absolute manifestation of God's design and his divine truth. So when you were talking there about how you know a lot of the ancient ancestors, and this is what I found when I when I'd studied esoterica for many many years, you would come up with this zodiac man figure, and it was the same. I mean, and even in like different cultures, sometimes they would have you know a lot of the same patterns. And so you would come up with uh, again and again and again, you would find this thing. And it's like, what the heck is this? Why are those patterns up there, you know, related to animals or whatever? And then all of a sudden they're related to parts of the body. Like to me as a younger man, I was like, what is, what kind of kooky shit is this? You know, then you get to, and then I remember I was really shocked when I picked up a farmer's almanac. And then you found that would be anthropocosm or the Zodiac man as a as a standard in the Farmer's Almanac that they would, you know, that this was, a, at one point, this was very well common knowledge. And it's only in our timeframe, say for the last hundred years or whatever, that this has really dissipated or been diluted or, you know, taken out of medicine. So I think people like yourself bringing that back back into it and including the whole thing, meaning this is not just about man and the stars. It also goes into plants. It also goes into, Hey, Liz, you need an ailment for this part of your body that, okay, now you go to the you know correlations. I'm no expert on that. I'm I, in fact, I'm not well-versed in, enough in that to speak at all. That's where I go to guys like yourself. But the other aspect of it, when it comes to the mythology, when it comes to that sort of stuff. That's when we can really hone in and, and show that, look, these ancient stories, we can particularly look at them with a hyper analytical and common sense view and say, look, these are recapitulations of the star patterns. And the reason that they've been that they've been um, crafted into mythologies and religious texts and things like that is because, as you're saying, they represent divine truth. And that's what we seek. We don't give a shit about people's opinions anymore. We want we want knowledge directly from the creator. So we know who we are, where we're going and what we're doing here. And getting into this, I had no idea how much um, that would end up pointing to, especially the Zodiac. But um, that said, uh, the heavens above, you know, we live in a time where the heaven is really out of the mind of people. And we forget it's literally above us all the time. We're enshrouded by it. And so to me, that's a very, when you get to that state, you know, mystically or in your religious or your spiritual quest, it's quite an eye opener, you know, literally. and Yeah.
1: And (laughs) exactly. And, And the wonderful thing is that it's never ending the discovery process, which I think keeps people like us in the game. It's just fun to see what's around the next bend. And there's always another bend, you know, and whenever you think, you know, it, that's when you don't. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the whole uh, astrophysiology, you know, it, it's so important because it, it demonstrates that we are in the image and likeness. So it's not only important to uh, look above us and understand what's going on, but to realize that we are uh, an exact replication of that. And, you know, an old trick I learned from the, you know, martial arts over years, which is uh, invaluable. Instead of um, sitting and trying to reach meditative states and clear your mind and all that good stuff, nothing wrong with that, but we learn to use our minds to get out of our minds and to really connect with the heart. So you learn how to have an intense focus on different energy centers and then, uh, you know, different downloads come readily and also when you have your attention focused on these things, uh, not only do you get amazing insights, but also um, you understand that you're no longer in a place of time, no longer in a place, uh, you know, where the the typical concerns and and projections and opinions, and, and they just don't exist there. And, uh, you know, that gets into the whole solar concept, you know, uh, with the heart, you know, being our most intelligent organ is a seed atom that embryologically unfolds according to the the sky clock there and then, uh, you know, becomes our human form. So uh, while we're talking today, just uh, if our audience could appreciate that, we're really talking about yourself as well as what's up there uh, as above, so below. So... um, if, uh, if there's any particular starting place uh, you would know best, um, besides just uh, the discussion we already opened up based on light, uh, so we can get into your book more in depth, you know, just uh, pick a place that you feel that would be good.
2: Well, I mean, the, uh, I don't know where to start, but I mean, just to say something about that, you know, the Zodiac man is, that's really the core principle behind it. Save for all mm-hmm. of the, all the other science that we can, we could derive from that. The the, the theological uh, understanding behind the Zodiac man is that you are a reflection of the entire thing. And that's why you have, at the end of the day, these constellations placed on your body. This is why Aries and Taurus and Gemini, the whole bit, you know, it's basically saying that, look, there's, here's the, here's God's canopy his divine truth and he's he's got a, a macrocosm of this and it is beams straight down into you and you are a representation of that it's it's so sad to me hence one of the reasons that we opened the church and started the church it's so sad to me that essentially all of especially modern christianity refutes astrology and this kind of stuff that we're talking about the zodiac man do you know a church that's teaching the zodiac man besides ours i don't know you know And really what it does is it's, it like takes the ideas of the Bible. Like you are made in the image of God. Okay. That sounds like a nice philosophy. Nah, screw that. You're a living expression of it, you know, and now you can go into your body and be like, Oh, I, you know, and when you start to understand it more, it's like, Oh, I understand why Aries is the head. Now, you know, you can actually start making sense of this. It's the esoteric that becomes palatable and rational. And that to me is just fascinating you know, yeah. um, I wish I knew more of the, the medical aspect of it. And of course the, you know, the, the pharmacological and the, that sort of thing, the botanical aspect of it as well, because I know any of the great physicians would say that if you're not studying astrology, you're, you, you got your head up your bum, bro. <laughs> you know, it's that kind of thing yeah. And so, yeah. when the modern churches, they, 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 you know, they, um. They cut off that whole study of astrology and how it's how you're connected to the stars. In in as far as I can tell, when they do that, they cut off the ability to have personal revelation in this sense. Because one of the key sciences to help you understand how the Bible is written, they've thrown out, and not only have they thrown it out, they've they've chastised it as demonic. Well, pardon my language, but that's retarded. You uh-huh. know, and and when you when you get into this, it's like it's like wow. You can make sense of these stories now. This is not just some humdrum old men that are trying to make sense of their world and creating wild outlandish stories to that. No, 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 no. This is genius. So yeah. um
0: I think, I think also a lot of Christians look at astrology, especially, and more of like the modern pop astrology as quote unquote demonic, because they, they sense that it's taking away your agency that you're looking at this sort of fatalistic approach that I'm a Virgo in this, so this is gonna be my monthly horoscope. And really they're lacking that divine understanding of hermetics of what the alchemists understood that it is indeed actually a reflection of our spirit, that it's all connected, that we are that and that is us. And that basically when you understand the um, back and forth relationship, as you're saying, that is the divine science. Uh, That is the divine that is God's uh, hand at work that we get to see as a reflection and how ironic is it that the stars that we're talking about the stars and light are reflection of our consciousness and most people can't see the stars anymore, you know, so that's kind of (laughs) reflecting what the mass consciousness is right now of society.
2: I tell you what, so, it's one. I mean, we've been really blessed because we, you know, we lived on the Big Island, so and we were, you know, near Calapana down there. So, you know, you go out at night, and it, like Jennifer was saying, it sometimes it's hard to pick out star patterns because you see so many stars. And yeah. I remember when my mom and dad visited, we, you know, we went out one Wednesday night and walked the road, and we just look up, and you're like,
1: holy
2: God. You've never seen anything like that. The Milky Way is right there, you know that sort of thing. Where we live now, we live kind of out in the middle of nowhere as well. So you know, we don't have you know indoor plumbing or anything like that. So I go outside at night to pee. Every time I go, out, I just look up. I'm like, oh, I you know it's it's amazing. And and as the I remember ancients, I as in- the
0: ancients television, Marty.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's I, it all it's, you know, I, I took up Jennifer the other night we went and because, you know, I, I know the stars pretty well. Now I can go outside and be like, OK. And so I was pointing out. I was like, hey, babe, there's Leo. And then there's Orion over there. And then you can see a You could barely see it that you turn around. and It's like, oh, there's Draco. It's like he and it's amazing. And it's really sad that I mean, I remember when I lived in like Eugene, Oregon, you didn't you couldn't even see the pole star. It's so, yeah. you know. So, and yeah. uh, so I, there's a lot to be said for the lack of conscious in consciousness in man and our ability to see the stars. I would h- highly agree with that. Yeah. And Absolutely. and going
0: back to the Zodiac man, if you think about even like Da Vinci with um, the Vitruvian man, you know, if you look at that, there's actually 12 poles there. If you factor in the arms, the legs, I'm just looking at it right now, then the groin, you know, the, then the chakras that go up. So there's, just all these synchronicities that play within this. Well, Vitru- there's a. Uh- also, and-
1: since you Sorry. mentioned it, uh, you know, his uh, work there uh, Da Vinci's it also, if you measure the angles um in a discipline that I was in the pioneering groups of,, uh, you know, we just coined the term clinical kinesiology. And it was based on neurology. So we had people hooked up with EEGs and things. So when we duplicated uh, the different positions and uh, uh, rotational, um, positions of the leg that you see, you know, in that picture, you find that you have a different numerical readout on the EEG. It literally changes your your brainwave, and we learn how to use that no different than the way you would use a computer keyboard. Uh, it goes a little deeper than that. But then when you take 100 people in a row and you put them in the same exact position, you get the same exact readout. And then it all gets into the mathematics and the frequencies and everything that, uh, you know, you've mastered there. Um, You know, I'd love to um, what I really love about your Sunday services and, and, you know, love those uh, is you really get deep into a lot of the biblical stories. And I think, you know, the the thing that people have to understand when we get into the mythology aspect of it, it it truly parallels the way science has become scientism. You know, the way we write now is just this literal, um, you know, linear kind of thought process. And when you get into the old parables and things, they understood that life was more metaphorical they spoke that way not only was it more intelligent more elegant but it with that style of writing they were able to bring in the side of science the qualitative side that has been purposely omitted in contemporary scientism and so when people are listening to these stories it's uh you know just amazing when you start to learn how to decode it and you know when you go through the embryological unfoldment uh, you know, even the icons of the astrological um, signs make perfect sense as far as what's going with that level of embryological or physiological unfoldment, and how those icons perfectly depict what's going on in the physical body. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just great. You, you, you just don't find that kind of intelligence and eloquence in writing and knowledge anymore. I don't think. Except yeah. for people like yourself that are bringing it back.
2: Um, a few things on that. Actually, I'm going to touch a little bit on that thing you uh, we were just saying there uh, this Sunday in Easter. When we talk about basically looking at the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, essentially looking at like the, uh, astrology as a birth chart, but it's like literally represents the pattern of birth you know, the, the days of gestation and all of that. So we're going to cover a little bit of that Sunday, but um, one of the thing about the elegance of writing is I've noticed, you know, I've been a, you know, for many, many years, not so much anymore because I produce books and I, I use my brain all the time now. So I don't absorb and read as much as I used to, but, you know, I used to be like a crazy voracious reader, like absorbing a lot Mm -hmm. of material, you know? And so I, I've, you know, and I've, I've noticed that now when you read like new books, what, at least for me, it does, it doesn't light up my brain. Like it, I don't it get as many images and, and that sort of thing. But you, you pick up James Joyce, you, you start reading William Shakespeare and you'll, and next thing you know, if it's like your brain just starts working more. Now, oh, there you go. There's another one, huh? The good old Willie there. Um, and I, it's, it's noticeable, It's like, it's like this, this literature is, is just, there's so many more faculties within you that it's lighting things up and making you think. And it's like really trying to, it's like, it's like giving you gas to your brain or whatever, you know? And it's, so it's unfortunate when you see the level of, of reading now, because yeah, I mean, you, you, you give somebody Shakespeare, you give somebody James Joyce and, you know, people get two pages into it. It's like, oh, this is too much for me. You know, that's how dumbed down we've gotten. And it's sad. It is. So, but- Let me say this. I, I think we might have mentioned this right before we started. The pendulum is swinging back, though. You can see. I we mentioned the the sort trans thing and that sort of thing. It's it. it they've taken it too far. They they just, and they keep keep trying to push, and it's like no, this thing's starting to swing back. So, you know, I'm definitely not a doom and gloom kind of guy. You know, I I definitely have faith in in much bigger things than <laughs> weff let's just say that
0: well i often get annoyed by hipsters even though i kind of used to be one it is uh inspiring to see so many young hipsters who are going back to vinyl and reading people like james joyce and like william blake i was just showing because that is like a total thing mm-hmm. yep yep so so bear where do we want to take this um i you well i, don't, I, like I haven't the, read the book um, but
1: you have well, um, you know, it goes chapter by chapter, and you know, with different biblical stories. So, uh, do you want to? pick? I mean, it's to me, it's just fascinating when you decode the biblical stories. You don't know in the whale, and then I mean, it's just. Um, well, you know, I just love that. So, if you want to pick a story, if or if that's not a good place to go, uh, you know.
2: No, we could let's start at the beginning, huh? Should we start at the beginning? book?
1: Okay. We talk about sure. okay. So let's
2: get to Genesis. So here's a here's mm-hmm. a perfect okay so we're we're sorry to interrupt
1: just for the folks here's the book no thank you and uh, take it away marty
2: okay so let's start at the beginning so um we're told if you so we got this thing called the old testament new testament called the holy bible right and we're you know there's loads and loads of people out there. In fact, I would say the majority of Christians that read that as like a history book, as if it's literally meant to be like some linear objective record of history kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, when you abandon that, all of a sudden, that's when you can actually start making connections and things like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we're we're given the story about two English chaps are in a garden talking to a snake. Okay. And (laughs) then we're in their English, their names, Adam and Eve, and that sort of thing, whatever. Anyway. um, And so it's like, how do we, how do we make sense of the story? There's so much that we can garner from that. But first and foremost, when we realize that we're dealing with star patterns, it's like, okay, so what are the, what are the main elements of the story? You have a man and a woman. They're in some sort of garden together. There's a large snake and it's close to God, right? Because at that point, before they fell in the story, they were close to God. Okay. So when we look up at the heavens. And, and if you can, and actually see the stars, and you look at the North Star, okay, the North Star is, is the Polaris, right? That's the star that everything revolves around. Okay so when you go up and and you look at that star you have basically a, a roughly about I think about five constellations that are in that general area and those are the circumpolar constellations many of us know a big one that's ursa major that's the big dipper the, the great ladle of course the the two stars of that ladle point to the pole star and that's ursa major and part of the pole star is ursa minor so you got your two bears there so we got a couple bears there right next to those two bears are the constellations Cepheus and Cassiopeia? Well, that those are understood, of course, in the Greek and uh, King and Queen of Ethiopia. Ethiopia is um, they're a king and queen, so it's a male and female. So your circumpolar constellations: we got a big bear, we got a little bear, we got a king and a queen up there. Well, what's the other major constellation that's up there? Well, that's Draco, and that is that is Latin for dragon. It's a big serpent. So, in other words, you look up into heaven. Just as you do, up now, you look at the North Star and you have a man and a woman and a big serpent right near what would be considered the high point in our cosmology, the North Star. So when you look at Genesis and you look at the creation of the whole thing and then you get to this place where there's a Garden of Eden and then the, Adam and Eve fell from this. Well, you can make specific, direct you know, correlations to the characters in this story to the star patterns above. So in other words, when you realize that this is mythology and you realize that what they're doing is actually giving you a story to help you understand these patterns of light or divine truth, then you realize, oh, shit, man, this is not stuck in some page here. Or you have to go look in 2000 years in the past to understand what's going on here. No, you just look up. And you have that story right above you, you know? And so when you, when you talk about like, this is a creation story, it's like, it gives you all the exact patterns to help you understand number one, the rotation of the celestial sphere. Of course, once you get that, then that leads to all the rest of the stuff we're talking about. The Zodiac, the pattern of the sun, the pattern of the moon, of course, the the rest of the the wandering planets or stars, if you will. So... Excuse me. So that's like your, that's one example of an account where it's like, you can take a story that's very well known, extract it from the pages of the book, put it into your experience here and now and start making palatable, rational, reasonable, reasonable sense as to why these stories were created in the first place. Right? Now, you know, now, where do we go from here? Let me just say this. Okay, now were dragons real? I mean, were were there really a a serpent-like thing with wings that's breathing fire and all this other stuff? Well, I mean, maybe I we have no proof of that, but you do see the prevalence of dragons across the world. All the way from South America to of course all in the the native Americans that you find serpents and dragons all over. That you go to China, you go to all over. Well, where the hell does this thing come from? There has to be a unified universal origin for this place, for for these these figures that you see because it's so, you know, it's so ubiquitous, right? Once again, look up Where do they get this stuff? Where's this just a bunch of wild-eyed imaginative people that were trying to make sense of their reality when they couldn't make sense of it. So they started crafting these ridiculous stories. No, not at all. When you get to that place, it's like, oh, now we can understand what the dragon is. We don't have to think this is some dinosaur that lived long ago or whatever it was, you know? So for me, it's such a relief to see this. You know, when you get to these stories, it's like, oh, I don't have to believe in a bunch of bullshit. It's like no, they're actually trying to inform us about our own cosmology.
0: I think it's I beautiful. Have a, I have a question, Marty, and also I don't know if you've ever seen the Mud Fossils channel, but they uh, show he shows some pretty interesting uh, large rock formations that look like dragons, and the theory being that there are some sort of proof that there are large dragons on the planet or in the realm. Uh, I don't know, um, but you know, I, I guess my question here, and I think a lot of people wonder this, so. Is this just a sort of reductionist idea? And I know this is not, I'm taking devil's advocate here, that the ancients looked up at their sky clock TV and then made up stories based on their observations, or is there a grander archetype sort of spiritual story here that is like we were talking about in the beginning where it's, this is a reflection of our consciousness and our, and our you know, deep sort of um I don't know uh spiritual uh embodiment of of the divine and that's really where we need to be taking this. It's not just stories about images they saw up in the sky.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well a few things on that. Great question by the way. Don't don't be a devil's advocate too much because then you start advocating for the devil, just so you know. But Uh,
0: (laughs) but let's take the as soon as I said that I thought of that. (laughs) No, it's good.
2: So um a great question so this one of the things that of course the zodiac will get you into and star study will get you into is symbolism okay because that's the only thing it's not like we can go and touch those stars and figure out what they are it's not like there's actually Orion up there there's not actually a hunter up there there's not actually a serpent up there so we do see that these um cultures around the world have you know looked at the star patterns and usually a lot of times you know name them similar things that they change that sort of thing but you'll use a lot of the same figures for instance as an example the serpent, right? Why? If, forget about star patterns for a second. Forget about any of that that we're talking about. Why is there such a focus on serpents across the world? Nagas and seraphims, and you know, the, the creation stories, and all this other stuff. Well, that gets us into symbolism. What is the symbolism of a snake? There, well, there's there's some key things within the snake that it will just tell you its natural symbolism. Number one, it sheds its skin. Well, what are we here to do in this sense, me- theologically in this sense, you know, metaphorically speaking, to shed our skins? This goes from the the, the 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 rough Ashlar stone to the perfect Ashlar stone. This is our lead to our gold. We want to, in this sense, be reborn. We want to go from the idiots to the enlightened human being. And this serpent, in one sense, that's one of its key things, right? And it's one of its key um you know, it's a natural symbolism, inherent symbolism. So there's one thing. Then you see, like, okay, you see, um, uh, what's another example of the serpent? Okay, oh, the Kundalini, right? Everybody here knows. Yeah. Why. why is there two serpents? And we'll maybe we'll this this will be a great segue into we could talk about Kundalini and the stars. Um, yeah. Why two serpents up and down the spine? It's not like you actually have two serpents in your spine or a third one, Shishuna, whatever it is. Two serpents are good. That's the thing. Like, what is going on there? Okay. Well, we do know that. What what is that referencing? Uh, uh, Energy. It's obviously your uh, energy that is going down and moving up your body. Okay. Well, you know, when you look at. have you ever like taken an extension cord and left it plugged into a wall for a couple of days? Do you know what ends up happening to it? It, it curls, it turns, because this is what energy does, right? It does that, that of that serpentine sort of undulation kind of thing. So they say, well, why, why would ancients around the world give this energy within the human being, the symbol of a serpent? Well, look at a serpent, look at what energy does. You can see, you know, once again, direct correlations there. So with that in mind, now go to the rest of this, the the constellations in our sky. You know what I mean? And start looking at there. Yes, the, the animals have natural symbolism. Like, once again, you could look at birds. Like, why, why are birds always recognized as, the you know, ascent into heaven? Well, duh, because they're birds. You know what I mean? It's like, that's so, we get into that whole thing. So um,
0: you're, the two serpents, you're talking about the caduceus, going up the staff, right? As like now that's considered like the symbol symbol of medicine, right? And that's like what Hermes trimestegistus supposedly carried around with them. So that's just for people wondering what Marty means about the two serpents going up the spine, that's sort of the symbol of that. Mm-hmm.
1: And, and also the spinal column, when you look at the actual electricity that that represents, you know, the conductance of energy by way of the spine, when you see it esoterically, there's a a red and a blue parallel line going up and when it reaches the most high, the cerebrum where the the uh, you know the optic thalamus is it you know gets that spark from Aries, you know, then that's where you uh, become a conduit from all that resonance and then you have the free flow. So yeah there's there's so many levels of, of this for sure.
2: And so this is what makes like, once again, just rational sense of some of these stories. So it's like when it's like, oh, well, it was it John 10, 1034 or something like that. It's like, just as uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man shall be lifted up that thing. Well, it's like, you know, if you're a literalist and a fundamentalist, like what the hell does that mean? Okay. Well, well, if you're an astrobiologist and a, you know, esotericist now, suddenly like, boom. Okay, now I know exactly what that means. I know exactly what they're referring to. I know exactly what that pole is. That's this. And where is that pole? That's reflected in the heavens. You know, so to me, that's just, um, that's, what, that's what I mean. It's like, when um, you get into these stories, it's like, when you bring all of this stuff to bear on it it's, it, becomes, it, it's off the page now. It's not stuck in history. It's not stuck in a book. It's in your world. And that's what we really want. At least I want anyway, you know?
0: It truly is the grand science. In the end, because as we're kind of just alluding to here a little bit with the symbology, and as Bear was just explaining with the anatomy, it all connects, it all relates, it's all where the truth comes from.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing that really got me um, to step away from the second that really got me into math was because it's so universal. And so, and when I got into studying things like they always claimed that there was, um, you know, whether it's like Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus or, you know, any of these alleged figures, they would always claim that there was a holy divine science, that there was a science that encompassed all things. Okay, well, if you're, if you're going to take that seriously, well, then you cannot negate the the canopy of the stars that's above our head, you must absolutely must take that into consideration. And if you're not, then you're not really doing science. Now, once again, now go to Paracelsus, you know, maybe Dr. Bear and I are a bunch of hacks, but that Paracelsus guy, he seemed to know some shit, right? What did he say? (laughs) Same thing, right? You're not a physician unless you're looking into the stars. So, you know, that's where, that's where it's like, that puts the pedal to the metal. And it's like, no, there's, there's a legitimacy to this. And I think that we're in the process of rediscovering this now. And I think that's to, you know, to go back to the sky clock and this idea that there's ebbs and flows and high tides and low tides and golden ages and dark ages and all that sort of stuff. That's what happens. We come into this knowledge, cl- we come closer and closer to the divine, and then we go away from it. And we yep. come back into it and go away from it. And right now, like I said, that pendulum is swinging back. I think all of us can see it. You know, So I think yeah. it's a great.
0: Yeah. The alchemists understood this like Fulcanelli, who I guess some people you know challenged whether he was real or not, but he seems like he was definitely a, like one of the last alchemists, of the 20th century. He talked about us astro alchemy, right? Mm-hmm. And how that literally all of the alchemists understood that that and Bear can speak to this too, like <laughs> it all relates to the stars. Like if you're not if you're not taking that into consideration, you're not even a real alchemist, which is the, you know, real science i 100 agree you know i, I
2: mean i'm, I'm and, as in lab work and alchemy and things like that of course but you have to it's just like it's just like math you know if you're not relating the, the mathematics that you're dealing with with the heavens what are you doing you know we can get into all of that but yeah i couldn't agree more so
1: and and i'd like to keep emphasizing the practicality which got me into it in the first place because that's just where i come from when you apply these principles not just apply the principles but actually have technologies to measure them. And I'm kind of convinced that our realm is a living technology, uh, you know, from our creator. And when you know how to use that technology on all the different levels, and you know, in, in my trade, uh, you have ways to measure all these different things that, you know, are impossible to do within contemporary medical technology. And then you, uh, you know, meet what you're finding, uh, you know, with those test results, and you have observable and consistent changes, always in the same direction, you know, after a while, and, and the same thing, you know, you find in agriculture, you sit back and you say, well, there's something to this. And again, a lot of where I came from early on was, um, you know discovering not just the principles but then along the way finding out that wow there's real technologies also that have been available that you know it takes a little time to master them and and incorporate them so that you know you're adept at them but it really proves out that everything that you know we're looking at metaphorically is literally the way it works and here on the ground It's roll up your sleeves now. You can really go to work, and you're not half blind. And like Gerta said, you know, he had a saying: uh, a half blind, one eyed person is really the way we're going at it in the scientific community. The other point
2: I want to make to that too is just like from a, a like a theological perspective too is that when you incorporate these sciences and you understand that they're divine sciences. You, you take a step back and you realize, okay, well, when you're engaging in those and trying to like literally help people, assist people, aid people in their health, spiritual health, physical health, whatever, whatever it is, you have to realize it's like what you're doing is aligning yourself with the will of God. That's what you're doing. You know what I mean? I know personally by doing that, the amount of magic that's come into my life from that, you know, the amount of beautiful things that have entered into my life because i've accepted that you know and so to me there that you know that's where i come in with the sort of theological angle i can't say much about the medical because i'm not ve- well versed enough in that or the, that sort of thing but i can tell you on a personal level a, a, a enlightening level that it's been a game changer you know so um, well another
1: thing scientism has done is it separated all the parts so that's we never you know see the whole and when you talk about, well, I, you know, don't know much about medicine. Well, medicine, spirituality, from my perspective, you can't separate them. They're one and the same thing.
2: Good point. <laughs> touche.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't mean that it's a touche. I'm just saying. No, that's, no, that's, no. Uh, say- that's my belief system. No, I, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I don't
2: think you can yeah. actually have health without a, a robust and healthy spiritual life yeah because and i see the physical. spiritual
1: life comes first mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. the medicine is only to create the space the temple to receive that uh, mm-hmm. but if you don't even know that there's something to receive you know forget about it you can you know go out and exercise and take all the stuff you want and it's not going to do much
2: mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I I know so many people that it doesn't even matter what their level of, or like even what religion in this sense, or what level of understanding they have of the esoteric or anything like that. Just an understanding that there is a higher power, that there is a creator, that we have a purpose, and that that creator is is the embodiment of love. Just that, not even belief, in my opinion. That's we're Gnostics. That's a knowing. I know that to be true just that alone is going to carry you through some freaking darkness bro do you know what i mean so um that alone is going to is going to increase your health you know
1: so what is your topic for this uh, easter sunday going to be i'm looking forward to that um and you know i know you've had a little change up in your websites and things and um you know i've been a, a you know follower of your websites for a long time and so maybe Um, Rather than saving it for later, if you could tell us, you know, how we can support you and also, um, uh, you know, just to get at your work now that you've uh, changed your whole system up a little bit.
2: Yeah, we just, um, we the website just wasn't, you know, websites are kind of going the way of the, you know, the dodo bird, if you will, or whatever. Um, and so lots and lots of people are on apps and stuff like that. And it was just getting very costly to run because I was hosting all yeah. the content myself and I had to pay a guy and all this other stuff. So, and we were doing memberships through there. So I just, we just shut that down and now we just have a, a simple site. But I do have all the Mm -hmm. sermons all available for free on like Rumble, BitChute, Odyssey. And then I don't keep hardly anything on YouTube because you guys have dealt with YouTube, right? It's just, it's a nightmare. So put things up for maybe a couple of weeks and then we take it down. So you can find all the sermons for free, commercial free on all the other sites. And then all the archival material, we just sell like a hard drive now. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can support through, I mean, we do Venmo and PayPal and Cash App and then we have Subscribestar. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's what Fantastic. keeps the church going. Yeah. We, we, everything, the church is um, we're not 501 C three or anything like that. We don't, we don't contract with the IRS at all. We, everything we do is commercial free. It's all donations. That's how we keep alive. And then we um, we produce educational material. So that's what, that's what mm-hmm. Lord, I mean, that's what, uh, you know, I guess a couple of books here, Lord Jesus Christ, 550 page book. That's all educational material on a lot of the stuff we're talking about today. Scripture in the stars. We do Bibles. And then um, we're actually just which, about. To uh, use, uh,
1: since you uh, mentioned that, which Bible do you use?
2: Uh, King James. Or do you
1: favor King James? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And I actually, in um, Lord Jesus Christ, towards the end, I have a whole chapter as to why mm-hmm. we use King James. So yeah. if anybody, you know, but yeah,
1: that's why I asked. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So if anybody's saying, well, why that one? was opposed to. So I actually have uh, maybe 20 pages, 15 mm-hmm. pages where I yeah. discuss that um and then well just one last thing we are um releasing a children's book i just wrote a children's book and that should oh, be out. marvelous hopefully. yeah and we're really excited about it so uh it's a good story it's really good i look forward um, to that i've got grandkids oh yeah yeah they'll love it they'll love it um yeah. hopefully in the next month or two we just changed our illustrator because we really weren't happy with the illustrations so uh but yeah that's coming out so
1: mm-hmm. So can you give us a Sunday teaser or would you rather not?
2: Oh, Sunday. Yes. Um, We're just going to talk about um, basically the correlation between Christmas, Jesus being born and then an Easter. Why do we celebrate Easter? Why is Easter a movable feast? Why is Christmas always on December 25th at this time? Why is Easter a movable feast? What is the difference between the uh, number one, what are the star patterns that are happening in the sky both uh well uh sidereally and tropically? We, we're gonna look at both of those, and then we're going to correlate the whole thing to literally the period of gestation and the pattern of growth. And ultimately it leads to the notion of um re- rebirth, because that's what you know mm-hmm. that's what it's all about.
1: So now yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I look forward to it. Now, one of your chapters in your recent book is um, I think it's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. So would that be a segue? Maybe, uh, you know, I'd like to just uh, maybe for our audience to because we have a lot of discussion about everything from Ascension that, you know, what the heck does that mean? It means different things to everybody. Some people think it's blasphemy, um, you know, and then again, it's all from perspective. So um, so can we get into that a little bit? Okay, so one of my favorites.
2: Well, yeah, the concept of death and resurrection is—I mean, it's really a simple one when you when you talk about it. Like you know, uh, you know, in your spiritual conquest in in, in this sense. I mean, it's like a, it's a hero's journey kind of archetype in this sense. Is that you mm-hmm. are you? We all enter into this. How do we say this? Let's look at the tarot deck. Let's do this. We'll mm-hmm. we'll make a correlation to the tarot deck. Everybody, you, Mike, you, everybody is listening. We all enter into this world. What the fool card? We're idiots. No mm-hmm. idea. What, what we're doing here, who we are, where we came from. Is there a God? Is there not a God? You know, we've got a dog barking at us as we're just about to walk off the edge of a cliff, or, you know, that sort of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And we our our whole spiritual goal is to take is to go from that fool card to actually to the end of the deck, which is what the world we, we go from that fool to recognize what that we are an expression ultimately of the entire thing which is exactly what we began this conversation with, the anthropocosm Zodiac man, right? That you are literally, in this sense, an expression of the entire thing, and that they've codified this information of this science into the Zodiac. So when we talk about death and resurrection, that is your whole process of going from the fool to the world. That's your whole process of going from you're, you're, you're the dummy led and you want to be the enlightened gold you know? And so that's really what it's all about. That whole process is ultimately going through some hell, <laughs> right? You've got to put hundred percent in it's, <clears throat> we call it the great work. You know, that's, it's, it's the alchemical great work. That's exactly what it's all about. And it's ultimately about, you know, finding, well, what do I say this? Maybe say it like this. It's ultimately about really discovering how close God is to you. It's really what it's it's all about. And that's, that's right here. Right in there, you know, so that's what death and resurrection is all about when you
0: and Marty, you can extrapolate this out to besides just your one life stream, but actually, the reincarnated life cycles and the greater macro development of your soul. Um, at least that's kind of where I see some of this. Uh, the great alchemist talked about this a lot, like we did a whole show on the Red Lion book, where it talks about how you're developing this over lifetimes. And of course, Roman uh, Catholicism took that out of Jesus's teachings. But if you look at the Gnostic books, he discusses this in more detail, correct? The idea of reincarnation?
2: well i mean let me just say this i when when it comes to like most um like gnostic books that are, are originally um uh, or like um related to gnosticism like nagamadi and that sort of stuff i don't even really focus on those at all i'm actually pretty strictly biblical in this sense mm. right um not that there I'm, is a
0: conspiracy that those were cia creations too yeah <laughs> i mean and
2: i'm not even there to like poo-poo them or anything like that i just you know i i, I think there's enough here to actually prove the points that i'm saying right so Let's let's first talk about um, reincarnation because that's a that's a perfect thing. You would a perfect way to uh, enter into this because you talk to most modern Christians and be like, no, reincarnation is not in the Bible. That's that's like against Christianity. And me coming in from let's say the the side door or whatever, not being reared as a Christian or anything like that. I'm just going to go in autodidactically and figure this stuff out myself. I'm no dummy. I can read. Okay, so. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to start questioning these stories as how they're understood because obviously they needed to be questioned, right? Now, to me, the idea of reincarnation not being in the Bible is ridiculous. I'll just say that. I don't even know how you could come to that conclusion. Now, does it say reincarnation in the Bible? No, it does not say that word. It also doesn't say Zodiac in the Bible either. That doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. It also doesn't say Trinity. That doesn't mean the Trinity is not in the Bible. So there's that when you look at, you have, um, in the old Testament, I'm giving an example, a couple of examples in the old Testament, you have, um, the, the, Let's say this: the Old Testament. They, they said, "Hey, we're waiting for our Messiah, right?" And there's this guy that's going to call out the Messiah, and when and that way the the prophecy will be fulfilled, right? And this is Elijah, Elias, right? They, they had cedar. When the Jews today they leave a, a seat at the table for in case Elijah shows up, right? Oh, Elijah, Elijah, he is going to announce the Messiah, right? That's the prophecy in the Old Testament. <clears throat> then you get to the New Testament, and who shows up? Jesus, and who announces Jesus? some dude named John, and yet the prophecy is fulfilled. Correct? Well, what the hell? This doesn't make any sense. How is that? How are we connecting John to Elijah at all? Well, you can easily, if you recognize, that's the same spirit. It's the same spirit that was in Elijah is now in John, which, which necessitates what? Reincarnation. Reincarnation. Let's go with this one. Who's Saul? Why is Saul Paul? Why is there why is there this correlation to Saul in the Old Testament, if you guys know, and then a lot of people relate it, right, to Paul in the New Testament, Paul being one of the great saints, of course, and blah, blah, blah. We all know. Why? Well, it's because it's the same dude. It's the same spirit that was in Saul. And the only way that you can even make sense of that is if you bring in reincarnation to bear. Let's go another one. Um, go forth and replenish the earth. That's what it says. Go forth and replenish the earth. This is always one that got me. Why are you telling me to go forth and replenish the earth in a creation story of the first time? So it's, it's Genesis. Here's the creation of everything. And then there's nobody here. But then he's telling Adam and Eve, go forth and replenish the earth. Replenish, re means to do again. Plenish means plentiful. That means at some point the earth was plentiful. So once again, how do you make sense of that at all? unless you bring in what cultures across the world herald reincarnation so i mean <clears throat> i think that's just the best way to like there's just a few examples of like you have modern christians to be like poo poo you know reincarnation that's not in the bible that's not our christian thing and i'm like you can't even read the bible without reincarnation in my opinion so and that's what we teach in our church
1: and what the alchemists demonstrated is that it's not uh, confined just to the human kingdom, the mineral kingdom. Uh, you know, it's a reincarnation process in all four kingdoms. In my lab out there right now, I'm collecting rainwater because, you you know, for this particular process, you wanna get rain that's coming on uh, down, you know, during Aries, there's a reason for that. But I go through a whole process of refinement, this, you know, multi-step and takes a couple months. And then that get, derives an end product. So in that first process, you go through a death and a resurrection process and you come out the end with the water. That's the same water you started with that tests differently. It's it's uh, has different attributes, but it, you don't stop there. Now you take that resurrected form of the water and then you do it again and again and again. And each one is in reincarnation of the same process And every process brings you to a further refined state, which is, I think, kind of what we might be doing here. You know, it'd be be kind of a bummer if if it was one strike and you're out, you know, because we'd all be in a sorry state if that was the truth.
0: Nature doesn't work that way, as you say, Bear. And I really appreciate this, Marty, because I've said that you can't really understand the soul unless you take in reincarnation and uh, factor here. So I really appreciate these examples
2: hmm um then we say uh, let me say one more thing about um when you talk about death and resurrection um you know it's like you don't need of uh, the story of jesus or this book here to understand that that concept the sun tells it to you every single day what does the sun do it rises it's born goes to middle age and it dies and oh it's the end of the world no the freaking thing rises again what happens in the, the solar year it's the same thing nature in the sense um, the outflowing expressions of God, which is the laws of nature. That's, that's really what it is, is teaching you the spiritual notion of death and resurrection every day and every year, every day and every year, because what does the sun do? It goes through that death and oh, it's all going to, and then boom, now we're right back. And so that's what your soul is undergoing. And you're going to, and as far as I'm concerned, you're going to come back down here until you find that lead or you find that gold until you recognize that you are the world. You are not the fool. And, um, I, and I don't see this. Is the other thing is I don't think reincarnation is some like trap or I don't think this is anything. I think this is a sacred process that God has created and we're on that process. Um,
1: so, and I yeah. don't think you get to move on with a, a C minus. You've got to, you've got to get it.
2: You, you know, I say it like this, there's no, uh, um, there's no, um, elevator up to Everest, you know? It's like God wants you to climb that damn mountain. So climb the mountain, you know, and if you if you don't do it in this life, well, then you have to do it next. We don't do that. You have to do it the next, you know, and it's really just wanting the best out of you. That's really what God wants. You know, this is not some like oh, you better get this shit right. No, it's just God wants you to be the best thing that you could possibly be. In all aspects of your life. So to me, that's a very it takes the whole doom and gloom and fire and brimstone and ah you evil sinner. It just takes that out. And it's like, no, 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 no. This is a this is a different understanding of the Bible. Um, and What's I think the whole
0: it's- pop Gnostic, Gnostic demiurge stuff, uh, where this is a soul trap prison planet <laughs> and all that, which you know, I know I'm sure you've covered before, probably with chance, because he's done a great job, chance garden interverse at unveiling the mistruths about that but you know you're literally a gnostic church so i don't know if we've touched on that in previous shows but i think that's really important to understand what you're saying here for those because that's a really trendy topic right now marty and i think it plays into this sort of victimhood doom and gloom thing that people love to engage with because it just makes it way easier in the end when you go that route versus understanding god wants us to, to take it on ourselves And when you do that, it's like, do you want to be a lazy slob in front of the TV, eating popcorn and drinking soda all day? You can do that. It's easy to do. And you'll start suffering. Or do you want to be like, take charge of your life, go to the gym, go for hikes. Sometimes that's really hard to do. It kicks your ass, but then God, you feel good after that. And look what happens with your body and your health and your wellness. It's a, you know, that's life. And then you love life that way. Or the slob on the couch is pretty depressed hmm. You the, know, I say the
1: reincarnation and Eastern. Sorry, I'll just say real quick. Eastern mysticism, I think, can become kind of a trap, too, because you get, uh, you know, like during the 70s and everything, when everybody was following gurus in India you know, you talk to them, how you doing? Well, just doing my karma. And, you know, it's kind of, you get a little bit complacent because, hey, well, I'll just come back and do it if I don't get it this time. And it's just this endless complacent sort of thing. And that, uh, you know, I like in uh, what Steiner, you know, considered more the Luciferian aspect of just, we're always kind of out of body, not grounded, doing the work and then uh, using reincarnation as a, an excuse just to pretty much not do anything. I mean, we're,
2: you know, I say it like this as far as like the reincarnation trap and stuff like this. And it's a very victim mentality. I can't, I mean, that to Mm -hmm. me is a huge red flag, huge red flag. As soon as I see anybody peddling victimhood, I'm like, you're off, you know, because I'm not listening to that shit. Um, I I say like this: you're on the hero's journey, you're not on the victim's trap. Okay. In the Bible, they tell you that you're supposed to put on six pieces of the armor of God, you know, the Feet shod with the gospel of peace and the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and all that other stuff, right? And your sword of the spirit. You don't put all that stuff on to play the victim. No, you go to do what? To 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 slay dragons. That's what you do because you're a warrior. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to instill that back into people and actually realize that this is actually the message of the Bible when you read it correctly. This is not like, oh, you evil piece you know, that sort of thing. It's like uh you're, a, powering, you're a, but not, uh, i'm sorry go ahead. i was
0: just gonna say and you're a warrior of the inherent truth it's not like you're physically out battling dragons in that sense it's a warrior for understanding who you truly are and that is the great battle within yourself it's an internal battle and i think that's what all these grand stories are about in the end that's what's so beautiful about hermetics and relating to all the symbology is it's like when you understand it's all inside you and it's so easy to open up that that Look around right now. How hard is it to do that? Because everyone's so focused on the external and the material, it really is. A, it does take to, you know to be a warrior to do that. When
2: you get into mysticism, too, it's a very magical and very poetic understanding. I don't want to say look or worldview. It's I would say it's an understanding, and that when you get into the world, it's like everything is telling you this ultimate truth. Everything is t- is trying to give you this message to, to die and be reborn, resurrect, go, become the world. Don't be the fool. We just covered the sun itself tells the story every day and every year, that damn snake that's slithering. What is it doing? It's releasing its skin. What is it? What is the fundamental symbolism there? Natural inherent symbolism that God put in the snake, not according to some good book here, the Quran or anything. No, just look at nature. What is it saying? Die and be reborn. You know, that's the, you know, and so when you get to that place, it's like you, you you see it, you know, you can see it everywhere. It's like, oh, no, the the message, God has given me this message here and here and here and, you know, here. <laughs> so.
1: Pretty phenomenal. So um, where do we want to go next? Uh, I'd like to kind of segue in and and just follow your book a little bit and you know there's there's just so much that you know we can't uh, you know do in a single episode here but um any places where you'd like to go next i again i go back to your sunday sermons and and i just like noah's ark and all the the different uh you know perspectives you give on all these uh you know more the well-known parables in the bible so um any do you think it would be more appropriate now than others in
2: here yeah i mean we could do I mean, we could do Noah's Ark. We could just talk about that a little bit because there's once be, again, get-
1: awesome. I love that one. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, um, all right. Well, first off there's, you know, it's not like this when we when say that the Bible is not a history book, it isn't to say that there isn't aspects of history within the book. That's not what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Basically, as far as I can tell, all the great literature of the world really takes stories that have happened, you know, in in the world or events and things like that, and what do they do? They mythologize it. They make they, they make grand stories out of it. That sort of stuff. So when we say, hey, you know, there's what there's like 300 plus flood myths all over the world, right? I mean, we see this like Sri Lanka has one, and South America they have them, and all you know, all over the world, Native Americans have flood myths. Okay. So, I mean, at some point, yeah, there might've been this great, great flood that really washed it. Makes sense. Okay, cool. Now that doesn't mean that there was some dude named Noah that was 600 years old and a drunk, and he made a boat the size of freaking Texas and got all the animals. No, obviously <laughs> that is mythology. If you have two brain cells, you can rub together furiously and create a little fricking fi- friction, excuse me. Um, so where does it come from? Once again, we look up into the stars. That's what we do. Uh, ultimately, all of these stories are um, in, in one way are going to be based on divine truth, the lights in the heavens. <clears throat> so if you look towards the Southern Celestial Pole, what you'll find is three constellations named Vela, Carina, and Pupis. <clears throat> and these are three aspects of a ship. And it's in the, in the they, they are combined. These three constellations are combined to be called the Argo Navis. And Argo means ship and Navis is, of course, naval, right? Navis, sea, that sort of thing. velas the sail um excuse me i gotta get some water okay
0: sorry i was gonna say my kids love that star poopus
1: yeah michael you're gonna enjoy this book here i'm about halfway through it and um and then a lot of this also i picked up on the sunday sermons so i've got to it was funny i was just having a
0: conversation with my kids speaking of them about noah's ark and about the animals we were taking they were taking it very literally but they were saying dad how could we have genetic diversity if there was just one male and one female does that mean all the all the brothers and sisters were mating and wouldn't they all be retarded then <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are some bright kids well it's like
2: there's that joe rogan joke that we was saying something like if there's animals aboard the boat and they were there for 40 days what did they eat didn't animals eat the other animals? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is what this is what I mean. When you bring just a one ounce of just rationale and reason to it, you can pick apart and say, this is obviously not, oh, it's just all miracles that happened way back then. And then we don't see anything now. Okay. I guess that's, that might be an explanation or maybe there's a way, 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 way better explanation. How about that? You know, none of that shit makes any sense. And then you fill children's heads with that and be like, well, you got to believe this little Bobby. Well, my Lord, I don't think that's helping. So anyway, back to, and if there
1: was a historical event that parallels the parable of Noah, maybe, you know, it happened in a different way when uh, you know science was more evolved. And maybe if there was uh, an ark of sorts, maybe it was a place that was a receptacle for all the DNA forms on life uh, on earth. So that, uh, you know, that could be preserved to, Repopulate the earth with all the species. I mean, there's so many explanations that definitely make a lot more sense than uh, taking things literally.
2: Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, okay, back to when we go look towards the southern celestial pole. So we talked about the north. Let's talk about the south, right? So there's those three constellations there: Carina, Vela, and Puppis. And they actually, and this is this is the Vela's the sails, the Puppis, which is known as like the poop deck. That's actually the term, and it's a reference to an observational deck on a mm-hmm. ship. You can look all this up. Yeah. And then the Carina is actually the, the the bottom of the ship, right? And so it's these three constellations that are put together to create the Argo Navis, which is this huge ship. It's literally when you combine those three constellations, I believe it is the biggest constellation in the sky. Hydra might be bigger, but either way, it's a, let's just say this. It's a big ass boat. That's what it is. It's a huge (laughs) ship. Okay. Now the Bible also talks us, uh, tells us about that. There is water above water below that the, the, whatever is up there in this sense, they give it the term water. Okay. So now we've got three constellations, in the water, in the heavens. And not only that, those three constellations are on what's understood as, well, what's been known in many, many cultures as the river of stars of the Milky Way. And that's, so it's a big boat, the southern celestial sphere on this, on this river of stars. Okay, cool. So now we say now, you know, they got all of these Uh, animals two by two it depends on what part of the story to come into the boat okay now obviously when we realize that this is symbolic parabolic and mythological it's like okay well who are the animals once again where are your answers well where are your answers for everything else look up you know, they're they're right in the heavens. So it's like, oh, you need a couple lions? Well, we got Leo Major and we got Leo Minor. You need a couple bears, we got Ursa Major, we got Ursa Minor. You need two fish, we got, you know, Pisces, right? You can go, um, and I mean I've got a whole and I list all of the um let's see if I have it right here. In the book, I actually list all of the constellations and a lot of times their counterparts. And when you get to study the celestial spheres, you realize that a lot of these constellations do have counterparts. Like there'll be the southern fishes. There's the Dorado and Bolins. Okay, there's there's two fish down there. Um, You know, we can talk about Hydra and Hydrus, two water snakes. Male water snake, female water snake, that sort of stuff. Um, You've got the two dogs, right? Of course, you've got um, Canis major, Canis minor. So it's like, okay, so let's take option A, at least as far as modern fundamentalist Christianity is concerned. Real story, big boat, we're going to recreate it in Kentucky or Tennessee or wherever it is down there. The Ark experience, they got all these animals two by two, or it's a story about the Zodiac. What's interesting is that one of these is completely unprovable, right? And the other one is literally above your head and is available to all people. And it's happening right now. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the latter. I'm going to go with option B. You know, we as Gnostics, we understand that God does not place us down here, expects us to believe a bunch of honky bullshit, and then just accept that and be like, well, I guess that's just what I believe. No. I, I, I know that God wants us to have rationale reason, you know, the ethics, the morals, all that's virtue, faith, all that sort of stuff. But ultimately that has to, you know, it has to make sense. Our world needs to make some sort of, once again, palatable sense. When we bring astrology, once again, to bear on these stories, it's like, damn, you know, I don't have to believe any of that. I can see it, you know? So
1: and physiologically, if you, you know, kind of try to draw some parallels, you have the the information from Aries, you know, coming through the higher cerebellum, it goes to the, or to the cerebrum, then to the cerebellum, and then travels, uh, you know, by way of uh, Gemini that creates all the nervous and, and arterial networks, you know, the spider's web and, you know, that analogy. And then that finally uh, is carried, you know, is, uh, is created, uh, by, or it actually forms seeds. And then that goes to cancer. And what do we know about crabs? You know, crabs, uh, transport the seeds of their young on their belly. So the crab, you know, goes down through the arteries created by Gemini. And now finally to Leo, which is the, uh, the actual fluids, the blood coursing through the heart. And then from there it's transported, you know, river, you know, as you say, to the rest of the body and so on through all the different progressive stages. So, and you know that's not even an analogy. That's I mean, the the icons are, but that's literal physiology. So it's at some point a lot of this becomes very real.
2: The other thing too is like we say, well, why did they just why didn't they just say be like. As far as we understand it, like hyper literalist and scientific, you know, in our very materialist reductionist worldview, we look back at the the ancients be like well why didn't they just do this, why didn't they just, you know, bullet point the thing and that sort of thing, why did they make stories out of why did they correlate parts of the brain to animals that sort of thing. Well, number one, let me just say this. It's like, if you were going to tell a story about like how the stars went into a pattern, like if you're going to teach your children, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to tell you about the 365 days of the solar year and the 24 hours a day and stuff like that. Okay. Well, alpha BC, this, this star pattern over here, there's like, you know, you're, what are you going to like, uh, what are you going to do? Like, you are you going to name all those stars or just call this section 4A7B in the sky? no, what are you going to do? That's a lion. That's a hunter, (laughs) right? You know, that sort of thing. Not only that for ease, but also because you're dealing with archetypes, actual archetypes of creation. Like we talked about the snake and stuff like that. So then, and lots of people have covered this over the the years, but you know, you had mentioned Aries, right? And this is something I have a whole chapter in Lord Jesus Christ. Um, It's like, well, why, why are they referring Aries to your head and a ram? Well, that's ridiculous what's the science behind that marty well it's like when you look what they're doing is so here you can see this is your hippocampus and um you know you can see that it's like well i I don't know i mean looks pretty much like ram's horns to me doesn't it and then you can actually see cultures around the world did the same thing you know it's like this is that what they're doing here is trying to tell you about a high divine science And so, um, you know, when, once you realize that, then it's like the whole, the whole study really opens up, you know, that's when all those light bulbs start going off in your mind, you know,
1: that also takes you back to the Trinity. You know, if you liken the first three signs of the Zodiac, you have the most high, the, the cerebrum, and then you have, um, you know, more of the, the, the spiritual self or the, uh, we'll, we'll just say the Holy spirit, which is the cerebellum. That's the conveyor of that most high. And then it goes down to Taurus, the son of God, which is the one that actually makes that into a physical form and then goes through the rest of the unfoldment. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I know there's been uh, some controversy in certain circles about the existence of the, the the Trinity and everything, but it's everywhere in our face and mathematics and, uh, you know, you name it, you just can't escape it.
2: Um, I actually just did a, a live stream called "The Geometry of Good Thinking," where I where we discussed the Trinity and how it's you know once again you don't have to go to the Bible you don't have to go to ancient cultures across the world and understand it no it's like literally it's the unfolding of your number line and you know we could go into that but you basically as you go from your you know well let's do it quick let's just do it right okay you got we got time right awesome uh, you know when you look at you go <laughs> zero one two and we get to three and that's your triangle. Okay, what's it, what's the in, internal degrees of a triangle? Everyone knows it's 180. Okay, so that's your three. Let's walk up to four. So from 180, you get to four. Well, what's the internal degrees of a square? It's 360. Okay, so we just went 180 and then you just added 180. Okay, that's three, four. Let's go to five. What's the internal degrees of a pentagram? It's 540. Well, what did you do? 360 plus what? 180. 180 is your... 3 becoming 1 it's your triangle 3 becoming 1 you go to 6 what's that 720 add 180 that's 540 plus 180 gets to 720 720 plus 180 gets what 900 that's your you know that it's the, the that's your uh, what is it called uh, hex or septagon oh my god anyway add another 180 what do you get octagon add another 180 what do you get you just keep going so what you can see is that the fundamental notion of 3 becoming 1 is Geometric, but not only that, it's fundamental to literally the geometric unfolding of every number from three, three, four, five, just keep adding 180. And so then we say, well, is the Trinity, is this part of creation? You can't do basic math without it. There's no way to do it, you know? And then this gets into really the fundamentals of what we teach at the church, we sort of do it through the Bible, but it's really the quadrivium and the trivium. It's the seven classic liberal arts. It's your, you know, this, we, we we give you foundations in what? Number, geometry, I don't do too much music, but music and then cosmology. We do a lot with number, a lot with geometry, a lot with cosmology. And then when it comes to grammar, rhetoric, and logic, of course, you you that's part and parcel to the whole thing. Of course, when you're dealing with etymology and linguistics and et cetera, et cetera. So- yeah, I mean, you can. The point is, is that you don't need a bunch of ancient ascended masters and holy books to come to these conclusions. God has placed them in our creation for people with minds and hearts to find them, because God wants us to find His order. You know. So I was a Trinitarian, by the way, before I ever became a Gnostic Christian. Why? <laughs> well, because I studied the creation. I studied above and below. And it was like, no, it's there, it's easily seen too, you know. So rant over.
0: Yeah, and, and and also just as very like a two-year-old could understand this. We live in a dualistic world in this physical realm. Like in order to know hate, you need to understand love. And there's and in order to have those two, you need something in the middle to hold them together. And that's the three. So in any dualistic system, it is a trinity that is the reality structure there. So really basic there, I mean, in terms of just basic, basic physics and science. Yeah, it's like
2: dualism doesn't even really exist because you always have the third principle. You know, cause we, we've been, we've been, there's been people that have criticized us. Oh, they're dualists. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, we teach that there's a good and evil. Yes. That there's a right and wrong, but ultimately that, you know, it's just like, let's just say it like this in the, let's just use Genesis 1, 1 in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You can't have heaven and you can't have earth without what the third principle, which is God. It's as simple as that, you know? So
1: someone in our chat mentioned the chestahedron. And uh, for folks that are scared off by mathematics, I'd encourage anybody to go look at the work of Frank Chester, because now you see it in a very uh, graphic three-dimensional form where one form becomes the other and the other and the other. And then uh, finally the chestahedron, which is an actual duplicate of the heart, has all of those forms within it. And so it's just, it's a wonderful graphic way to see how things work and that uh, all things are within one. And you know, that's an amazing thing too, you know, going back to the heart model being a chestahedron, is even the American Heart Association is studying that and understanding what a lot of us have known for a long time is that the heart isn't a pump. Uh, you know, that would be impossible if you understand the the dynamics there. And uh, but again, for most folks, I I can't even imagine what it would be like if our school system you know, uh, you know, went from that abstract mathematics that I was forced to learn and hated and then finally had to learn it if I wanted to get through medical school. Um, You know, if if mathematics was taught like this and everything was uh, graphic, I mean, what a joy school would become and what a difference in our society of people that could all of a sudden just open their eyes and see what's in front of them.
2: I, I got to say, from personal experience, too, because I was, you know, I mean, I was not very, uh, like, could stand school, that sort of stuff, but I was, ver- I mean, I was uh, hugely inquisitive, and I was hungry for knowledge, and so I did all the studying on on the side, you know, I mean, I think I got a, a C in college algebra, Right, and now there are people that think I'm like the go-to guy for math, which is nuts, you know. But that was the real shocking thing for me because I was—I always hated it, just like you. I was like, "This is garbage. What am I going to do with this? You didn't make sense of it. There was that sort of thing. Then I got into understanding math once again from the ground floor with this sort of esoteric idea, you know, mindset with it too, and it's like. My Lord, it was just like, once again, this is all the neurons started firing all the things. It was exciting. And it it was like, oh, it helps me actually understand that this place. Yes, it is ordered. Yes, it is created. That means there is a purpose that for me came straight from an organic study of math. And so if you could actually, as you're saying, if you could actually give that to children nowadays, look out world, you know, look out world. Because that's you know and once you change people's minds, just like with all these all the things that we deal with in these conspiracies, once you see the truth, you're not going back. you're not going back It's like, well, maybe I'll go back to virology now or like no, that's done, you know, so that's the beauty of it. it's uh yeah. breaks the chains,
1: yeah, absolutely, and uh you know that's why we did our kids uh you know, at home, and also we. Uh, you know, everything was in a context within trivium, quadrivium, and then also, um, you know, gave them academics that mirrored more the old world stuff. But then it, uh, you know, when with that basic thinking apparatus, uh, you know, developed in the right direction, you know, then we gave them the the conventional math and, and all the stuff just so they wouldn't feel victimized when they went out there in the world because they don't understand everything that everyone else is learning in school. But because they had the ability to think first, then these abstract um, kind of disciplines that I used to hate, yeah, it was a breeze farm because mm. their, their their minds were just expanded. And, you know, going into conventional, it's just like going into more of a myopic view. And you can just say, even at a, at a young age, just say, oh, I, I see what you guys are trying to do. And all, all right. And you play the game, you get your grade and you get the hell out of there. Yeah. That's but exact. hopefully uh, that won't even be a game anymore. And uh, like you said, the pendulum is so far this way that uh, more and more people, you know, in our community, we, we're we just getting, you know, feedback from uh, people all over the world that are doing just this, teaching their kids different. That's why I'm very hopeful, too. I'm not a collapsitarian. I really think that, uh, you know, we have to walk through these final shadows because we made them. And uh, so we have to take responsibility for them. And just like a sort of a jock mentality, you know, you don't approach it like it's an ominous thing. It's just like, OK, bring it on. This is fun. You know, it's going to test me. And you actually get into the adventure of it. And even through the darkest times, you you actually sort of get a kick out of it. And we have a growing segment in our population that's growing that that hero mentality. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, you and it's this thing about like going straight. I mean, somebody just posted this on our telegram, just it's going straight through the darkness. I mean, this is what the hero's journey really is all about. I mean, to keep going back to this, but it's like you don't skirt around it or like, oh, it's over there. No, 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 fuck that. You go right through it. You know, you temper your sword and you go right through it, and that's what makes you stronger. And so in in one sense, there's like, you know, not that you're trying to call out the darkness or anything like that, but don't be afraid of it. And if you have to, you know, I I think in in many ways that like a lot of these, um, you know, like the, I don't know what to say here because I'm on YouTube, but, you know, a lot of these um, (laughs) spells that they've put us under have actually been blessings because it's actually taught us what's nonsense and what's truth. And so, yes, we had to go through a lot of darkness. All of us had during that whole, you know, what we just dealt with all that is this stuff. There was a lot of dark days or whatever, but now I look back, I'm like, I don't know if I would change it for the world. You know, I'm a much better person. I'm more knowledgeable now. You know, I'm, a, you know, I know people that are a lot more knowledgeable now that can, you know, that can handle their stuff. They're not scared. You know, those are all positive was, things.
0: Yeah. You look at the symbology of the, the whole deal with the crown, right? And it's like sort of like, uh, you know, the coronation, as I've said many times. Mm -hmm. So that's the the glass half full outlook of the whole CV (laughs) crown thing. Uh, I couldn't agree more, man. We've seen so many people not only flock to us and come to better understanding about who they are and their health and wellness, but conversations like this which is what's most important and we talk about like doing the work and going into the in, through the dark with your holy sword and all that but when the the for me the greatest thing is when you understand it's actually you have great revelations and it's not like a ton of work in the end because it can be instant when you understand how it truly works Bear like when you in the gym I'm sure that you've mentioned the past where all of a sudden boom you were getting huge gains and stuff when you understand the inner work it it does happen really fast, you guys, um, when you stru- really start to believe and understand who you are. Can I say this too?
2: Like what when you understand, you know, what we call logos, we'll just say that, you mm-hmm. know, the order of this, there's purpose, there's order, there's design. You know, God is good. God is uh, the substance of love. He's looking out for this place, that sort of thing. His order is in the sense is un, um, You you can't pervert it. You can't distort it. Right. You can you can knock people off that course of that sort of thing. But ultimately, that is what will win in the end. You know, the darkness, the light, that darkness comprehended, not kind of thing. What you have going on right now is essentially a satanic, not even essentially a satanic ideology and, and that sort of thing, trying to play, forcing itself, trying to place itself over logos. Right. Well, that's going to fail. That will always fail. Now it isn't to say that there's not going to cause some pain and suffering when they do this, but ultimately people, you know, they look at this, the, the, the Satanists of the world call them what it is demonic, whatever you want to say, right? They're obviously not humanitarians, anti-human people, you know, their, their agendas, they're not sustainable at all. Look at the trans thing. It's not sustainable. So people, they hate themselves. That's,
0: that's the other thing, Marty, is they literally hate themselves. They don't, Know what love is, so that cannot, that can't. Just know if anyone you know who hates themselves, how long does that last? Eventually, before they implode or self-destruct, you know.
2: Mm -hmm. And just think about the world is sick right now. Well, what happens when you're sick? Two things: you either die or you get healthy. Okay, so their agenda is sick, which means we're either going to get healthy or they're going to die. Either way, what what what's what's it's good for us, isn't it? Correct. Okay. So this is really what an understanding of God will bring you. This is what faith really should be all about, you know, and to not fear it. And this is the other thing is like look, if you're on a spiritual journey, you always have to be ready to die. You any of us could perish right now tomorrow, whatever it is. You have to, you know you know, uh, get your you know get your ducks in a row, get yourself in alignment, live as much in truth as you possibly can. You know, be the warrior, do not be the victim and let God take care of the rest. You know, that's it. It's as simple as that.
1: It works the same way for physical maladies, too, including pain instead of, you know, the medical profession does everything to help us shy away from the pain, to to numb it, uh, to cut it out, uh, you know, anything but just go into the center of it. And uh, you know, there's wonderful techniques. Again, I kind of default back to a lot of you know the the physical kind of disciplines I was involved with, especially in martial arts, where uh, you know you know starting with football is always play with pain, which is kind of a Neanderthal you know sort of way of looking at it. But more in a refined sense, um, you know, when when you're you know in combat, literally combat, and something's hurting, you just learn to go into the center of it and actually have it work for you. And uh, you know the the temperament of most people now, and, and this sounds kind of old school, but it's it's there's people are so soft, uh, you know, in avoiding at all cost any kind of association or or involvement, you know, in the shadows or or dealing with their own creations or the fact that okay, I got a toothache or whatever. It's just like you know you no you can literally go and if I'm in the dentist, you know, I've had some. Dental procedures in the past. I don't do Novocaine or anything. And I'm just totally comfortable. I just kind of go right into that space. And the only thing that is, you know, really difficult about pain is when you're projecting the next moment, like how bad is it gonna get? But if you have no sense of, you know, that th- that time sequencing and you just go in there and you're with it, stuff just magically stops hurting. And that also creates a space where you can self-heal because you're not trying to avoid the thing in the first place. And then if you're really on your A game, when you get in the center of the storm there, you get a lot of other insights as far as what level this thing's coming from in the first place. And usually it's not even your physical body. And, uh, And you know, just, yeah. It's there
2: to teach you, right? I mean, that's what it's, you know, that's, that's why your body's responding that way. It's trying to tell you something. So listen
1: yeah 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 Yeah. don't try to avoid it and uh we're trying to avoid a whole lot of stuff so michael do we uh i you you keep your eye on that the chat and i know there's it looks pretty active over there are there any good questions from the peanut gallery there Am i getting yelled at here i'm not <laughs> i mean there's been some
0: good uh spiritual discussion discussion about you know uh, about church and what Marty really knows and stuff like that. You know, that always comes in, um, which is great. We're here to educate people about stuff like that. But overall, no, the chat's been really great. Um, and people like the theme right now is just love conquers all, you know, it, it sounds it can sound a little corny, but it's the divine life principle. The governing law of all is the love principle. It's that simple in the end. So everyone's telling you, everyone in the chat, I love you right now.
1: well love true love is a resonance you know it's not just this romantic notion and uh you know that's that's a true essence of you know the christ and i believe what he was all about so um yeah absolutely
0: beautiful hey this has been a phenomenal chat as always marty Uh, we appreciate and love you so much and can't wait to hang out with you at music and sky um, everybody go to donate to Marty's church. Uh, I'll have all the links in the show notes below. Marty, you said it once, but say it again, where is the best place for people to go do that and support you?
2: Uh, the main website is gnosticacademy.org and there's all the portals there. And then, yeah, it's got all the places for video links and all that sort of stuff. Got some music on there, all the books and old archives that's there. And yeah, we do like Venmo and cash app and all that sort of stuff and we are 100 no commercials no anything like that it's we survive off people's donations i said i will keep going as long as people want me to it's as simple as that you know beautiful so um so yeah, you yeah. Heard about well, the cash, you did you
0: hear about the cash app founder what happened to him
2: it's uh right san francisco stabbed. yeah he was
0: stabbed to death yeah um oh I mean, yeah i just you- saw that Random calamity going on in those inner cities, and that I mean it's I I feel bad and just you know all the love and condolences to his family, anyone who dies, it's horrendous, but there is some sort of irony there that the tech bro gets stabbed by in his you know the own in the own kind of like delinquent you know city that's falling apart mm-hmm. uh wild times, man <laughs> but yeah, yeah, um that's great to know everybody go support Marty there and buy his books. They're phenomenal bear. I need to get out to the farm and grab that book from you. I can't wait to read it. And, uh, all the, all those notes are, uh, all the links will be in the show notes below. So please go support Marty. He's doing God's work and, uh, check out his Sunday sermons. They're phenomenal. A lot of fun. Any final words for the
1: audience? Also looking, uh, sorry, Mike, I was just going to say I'm really looking forward to not only this Sunday, but meeting you in person <sighs> and giving you a hug at Music and Sky. So are you going to be there with your bride, do you think?
2: with uh yes i at this point i don't like traveling we're kind of one flesh thing not even kind of you know it's the one flesh thing i don't like traveling without her anymore she's that's yeah she's uh she's a huge part of this church too like i'm the guy out front but as you know behind every great man doctor there's a there's a better woman in that sense you know and so she's she's a huge part of the church i could not Mm -hmm. do this without her and so it is very much a team effort. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to music in sky. As soon as you guys offered, I was like, of course, you know, huge respect to awesome. you, you, know, you guys. And, and so, um, and what am I doing? I'm going to do, what's it called? Look up an optimist view of the world ahead. I think is what I called it. Cause oh, as soon as you uh, guys perfect. asked, I was like, Oh, I know exactly what I'm talk about. So
0: we <laughs> so, have, so- um, Where the location is in the Cuyama Valley, it's pretty remote, even in central California. It's on the other side of the mountains of Santa Barbara. And it's at like 2,500 feet elevation, actually. Um, But uh, you get a great stars at night. And we, we have pretty minimal lighting. I mean, we do do some kind of cool lighting, you know, make it fun, but you get a nice, you can get a quick little 10 minute hike up one of the trails up to the hills and we can just sit under the stars and uh, it's phenomenal. As you see the Milky Way and everything, so yeah. Oh. No.
2: I would be more than happy to, to, you know, do a little, you know, uh, trip up there and just start pointing some stuff out for people. If they're not, you know, to do. Some oh, we're,
0: we'll be doing that brother. We'll be doing that. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Awesome.
1: And if you feel uh, like journeying Northward after the event, um, love to have you up here too.
2: I appreciate that, guys. I love you guys so much. I really appreciate what you guys do. And uh, it's such an honor to come speak with you guys. And I'm lo- really looking forward to it. So thank you for being so generous and, and understanding too, Mike. I really, oh, really yeah. appreciate that.
0: Oh, man. want you guys there. I had, I had, like I told you on, the, on our message, I had a vision of Music in Sky happening years ago, and it's now manifested. And that's, guys, that is like what we all need to understand the power of our of our focus and our manifestation is god's way of working through us right marty and it it, it if you want to know if this stuff works in your daily life you can apply that to your manifestation it's about where you put your focus and then also how you concentrate it and then in, and also having the vision to understand that coming out right and that's a trinity right there and when you when you can qualify that Right through your own inner knowing, uh, and then concentrate that you can manifest it. And as I was telling you on chat, I was, I booked this dude, Steve, uh, well, my partner and I booked Head Flux in a total like kind of random LA party in 2018. And I got to hang out with him. And I knew he was a 432 Hertz producer, but I didn't know how deep he was. He was like telling me about alchemy and about like 16th century alchemists and stuff. And I was like, I remember Bear, I sent you a picture he had sent me about an alchemist from an alchemist lab. It's like, whoa, this dude's really deep. And then as I was talking to him and went to this event where, you know, I hate to say it, but like a quarter or more of people were on drugs and it was more of a party event. And I was just like, okay, I want to do an event that's based on health and wellness and consciousness and spirituality, but grounded in freedom and sovereignty. And I was like, I'm going to do it. And Steve, you're going to play it one day. And now he's flying out from Scotland to play So that ended up happening. And same with you, Marty. Like we tried to get you there in in, uh, 2021. You were on the billing and you had an issue with your well. It was like the only time your well could be dug. So you had to bounce out. So I knew though, eventually you're going to be there. So, so excited to have you there, man. You're going to, you're part of the Music and Sky family. You're going to love it. And uh, for those interested, go to musicandsky.com to find out more information. And uh, and also, we'll, you'll be selling your books there, either at our vending booth, or maybe you'll set up something with Jen or whatever. You can hang out there. Larkin sold a lot of books last year, Larkin Rose, his book, so And we'll put it up on our website, musicandsky.com, and start selling them now. So a uh, great way to support Marty. Come out. And I'm sure you might sign some books, autograph some books while you're there. So if you hey. want to autographed marty Leeds book come out to music and sky so awesome awesome hey guys i hope you enjoyed the chat please give us a thumbs up a share uh it really helps us get the information out uh go support marty and remember to get outside get your feet in the dirt go plant something go for a hike mother nature is our best teacher go show her some love and we'll see you next week uh thursday 10 a.m for another alpha cast love you guys peace